tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, hello, everyone. This is the Good Wife After Show. We are season seven, episode eight, entitled Restraint. And I think we had a lack of that in this episode, don't you think? I'm Tara Johnson, um, and I'm here today with the handsome. That would be you I'm speaking of. I thought you were going to say my name. That wasn't what you were calling me off camera. That's not true, Bobby. What's up, guys? Bobby here. Allison's out this week. She is. She had to host an event, but she should be back with us next week. And maybe it'll be the three of us. Cannot get a three-person right? panel. This show deserves so much better. Like, like life happens and stuff happens, but like the show deserves so much better than people missing every week. I know. It's so crazy. So like this sorry. is the way. And this is the way this month is. Like yeah. Thanksgiving, holidays next month. Like this is how it's gonna be. But all that. I hope doesn't get lost in the fact that this is such a damn good show. No, it's a fantastic show, and the <sighs> season's a little bit different. I love it. I, th- I like this one better than last season, actually. Yeah, last season was yeah. a tad weird with Alicia and the election and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But, like, we're back this week. But every time we have that, I can't remember the guy who's the general counsel for Ripple's organization. He's been on this show this season. I can't remember his name now. But whenever you open up an episode with he and Diane talking, you know it's going to be something. So let's talk Diane. Please. So Diane, to me, this was a this was a Diane, this was a Diane like watershed moment episode. And I jokingly would call it like the day Diane stopped being liberal. But we know that's not true right. because she's by judging by what we saw at the end of the episode, she found she found a way to get out of it without offending anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing before we get into it, one thing I didn't like. In the preview last week for this episode, shows can do whatever they want to tease. Shows can do whatever right. they want to, to entice you. The, one of the leads on that preview was Margofsky saying, you're trying to get me to get out of my court, whatever. Yeah. And it seemed like such a big deal. It did. And it I thought really Diane did. was going to get in trouble. She was going to be held in contempt. Something serious was going right. to happen. It comes up and it's like in the last minute of her story and then it's like, oh, we're done here. And you're like – Wait a second. That was your yeah. lead during the the teaser, and, and and it got me to tune in. Like I would have watched anyways, but right. it got me to tune in. But like, think of a different way to like tease that. I, I felt cheated a little bit. Well, I have to say that argument with the judge in her entire story throughout this entire episode, it really was the turning point of that story yeah. because we thought, I thought, I was like, what the hell is wrong with Diane? Is this the same Diane we've always known and loved? She's going to the, I don't want to say the dark side. She's going to the other side. I'll be well, PC. for her, I know, for her, the dark but for side. For her, the yeah. dark side. And so that argument was the first time in the entire episode I was like, wait a minute. Something's not right about this. Yeah. Diane would not risk everything, contempt, going to court. Like, she's a very smart attorney. And to piss off a judge that clearly she's had a relationship with and she stands in front of often over this, which she really. We all know she doesn't even believe in. Just didn't seem right. Yeah. So maybe that's why they led with that. But you know, Margofsky, 
that ex parte conversation aside, and we can debate whether that conversation was taken at face value or if there was a secondary meaning in the conversation, Margofsky seems really together, really with it, really amenable to each side, and also funny and sarcastic. He seemed like a good judge, and we've seen some bad ones on yeah, the show. Yeah. So uh, that was, I think, Margofsky helping Diane get out of it with no repercussions. He was like, look, off the record, no bullshit, this isn't you. So on the record... I will be the bad guy mm. to help you get out of it and still do everything legally right. correct, you know. Um, I, I think, I don't think he was, I don't think it was the setup. I thought he really believed Diane because at that point in the episode, even I believed Diane because I thought she was getting, and it happened so often when you're defending things because every time someone would say this is an abortion case, she would say, no, this is a First Amendment case. Yeah. And there are many, many times as an attorney, you have to stand by your position regardless of what your personal issue is, and you have to keep people on topic, right? So she had to pull everyone off the abortion issue and say, no, this is a First Amendment case. And she believes in First Amendment. So I was like, okay, maybe Diane really is believing in this. And But I, but I got to a point, I was just like, why so much? I mean, it gets to a certain point, again, as a smart attorney, where you just got to let things go. And she just would not let this go. But I think, I mean, at the risk of sounding way overly simple, when you're dealing with freedom of speech, freedom of expression, you can't give on anything, right? It's not just political. There's that whole undertone. Everything is political. This is one of the most political issues. But it's that anything, anything remotely coming close to free speech, we as a country have just decided that we will not Limited, it, except for you know extremely limited right. ways, yelling fire in a theater kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We will not limit freedom of expression, no matter how unpopular it is. And even the mere suggestion of it on something like this should be met with with tons and tons of pushback. And I think the brilliance of them in writing this episode the way that they did, the kings and the writers, and doing this the way they did, is it. <sighs> It was a shot at extremists on both sides. It right. was a shot at both left-wing and right-wing extremists of whatever, you know, and whatever side of the, the aisle you fall on, if you fall on it as hard as the stereotype sides here in the courtroom, that is the extremes of the positions. Mm-hmm. That's, that's extreme relative to the moderate positions. Right. Um, so it was a good way of them being able to shout out and, and kind of criticize, really, extremists without vilifying the right wing. Because this show is very left-wing. The people on this show are yeah. very left-wing. The people who watch this show, we've, you and I have talked about this, we're very left-wing generally, right. and that doesn't hold always, but generally. So it's a good, it's it's a deeper way for them to criticize extremes and to criticize the wings as opposed to the moderate realms of the party without just going right-wing bad, left-wing good. They flipped it on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a Diane fan, you're like, hey, you know, I'm not into the right-wing position here. But I can really understand this whole, you know, end of extremes. It's more moderate. She's more nuanced. She's like, wait a second. This isn't just about abortion anymore. There's a deeper There's a deeper thing here. There's another nuance here. And it's like, huh. Well, I have to say, I thank the writers for it not being a straight episode about abortion. Because in my opinion, when you talk about those type of topics, yeah. it's just... It's difficult to you know to discuss it so personal to people. I don't think you and I could have done this after show. What did we say the first scene? Yeah, we were like, <laughs> oh my god, because we knew what it was. When you see the first video, yeah. you know exactly what this is about. Talking about tissue or whatever mm-hmm. the word she used was, um, and we're like, uh, do we want to? No, yeah. no, we don't want to do this. We, we know what this is it. about. But the way that they spun it, it made it a little more palatable, and it made it a little more feeling fair for both you know for both sides right. we come down I, I have a feeling on the same side on a very specific side of the abortion debate right but it made it feel a little more 
amenable to each side. Maybe I'm wrong. If there if there are really right wing people out there who watch this show and they felt that they were portrayed unfairly or something, I would, I would love to. Yeah, hear that. I would love to hear that too because I think by the end it be, it really did become really about a First Amendment yeah. type of issue about whether they had this conversation, whether it was protected, and not that you forgot the underlying theme. Clearly, you couldn't forget it because. Diane and Carrie were losing clients left and right because of it, so no one else out there was forgetting it. But it became really about the First Amendment, which we all so, like you said before, like we so protect that so much, regardless of you're right, whether we like it or not. Did you ever get a feeling with Diane in this one, too, not explicitly, but a little bit, when Margofsky was saying, this isn't you, this isn't your case, that Diane was almost like, wait a second, are you saying that because of my politics or because I'm a woman, I can't do a pro-life case, you know, that I have to be pro-choice? And it almost seemed like Diane wanted to prove him wrong a little bit in like a a girl power mode almost. Like, hey, wait a second, you know, I'm, this isn't advocating for women's rights, but as a woman, as a free person, right. I can make my decision. I thought that several times in this episode. I mean... When the episode first started, Diane was very clear in her position. It had nothing to do with her being a female. It was just, this is my position. And even the guy, when he approached her, knew her position. But I think as the episode went along, and it started when B. Wilson came and confronted her in the hallway and was like, what are you doing? How can you do this? And then the judges, you know, the judge having the ex parte conversation with her, I, I do think it became a little clouded for her sometime in the episode where it wasn't really about the issue it was about wait a minute can you really tell me what i can and cannot do like i got that feeling especially when they started losing clients she wasn't at all like what do you mean we're losing tens of millions of dollars of billings walking out the door which she normally does in these episodes they talk about billings and clients and keeping them all the time i felt as if she became on this almost like a power kick kind of thing. Like, how dare you try to tell me all I'm doing is my job. And this is a first amendment case. So I think she actually lost herself a little bit in this episode. I got that feeling several times. Are we then, I guess a bigger question for Diane, because we saw it at the mountain retreat Mm -hmm. last season where they did like the mock case or the hunting retreat or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they did the mock case. And then we see it now with this is Diane being used by conser- by this conservative group as a pawn, kind of like dance monkey, mm. or is Diane so damn smart and they truly, you take it face value that they respect her so much that they keep coming back to her despite the fact that she's a liberal? I think a little bit of both because even when he comes to her, like, and I, I wish I could remember this guy's name, so I apologize. You guys, I'm sure, will let me know who this general counsel is for the Ripple Foundation. Even when he comes to him, I think he comes to her, one, because he really does respect her, and they respect her views because she's so intelligent. But I also think a part of them comes to her to say, can we trip her up, and can we get her to our side? Because as they go back and forth in debate, when they brought in, what was her name, Stacey Groom, mm-hmm. she said, this case is frivolous. You need X, Y, and Z. You need someone who's had an abortion. You need someone who has was you know duped and wasn't told the truth about the procedure. You need someone who had who has suffered irreparable damage. He was like, we have someone, and at that moment, I think she was like, oh shoot, okay. If they truly have someone, and I'm accepting all this money for them, and they expect me to sometime represent them, I may actually have to do this. So I think they come in to respect her views, you know, pick her brain. But also try to trip her up. I think sooner or later, Ripple is like, I can see in the background going, get her, get her. Oh, Re- I, uh, Dipple, Reese yeah, Dipple. Di- yeah, Dipple, Reese Dipple. Because I think if they can think they can conquer Diane, she'll just become that strong of an advocate for them. And if they can switch Diane over to their side, I mean, how many more people can they switch over? I don't know. I guess I'm just like, 
they got all the money. They got more money than God. Mm-hmm. Like they can get any lawyer they want. You can find a right wing lawyer. You know, like you don't. <laughs> but I think the beauty of Diane is because she has such strong left wing views that they're almost using her as like a test case. Absolutely, yeah. I think every single time. Yeah, and if but, they stomp her, then you're going to stomp. The but then, but then that's like the opposite of the dance monkey. That's like that's like the we respect you so much. You're our. You're our incubator. You're our case study, mm-hmm. and, and we, before we take this out into the real world, we do it in, in you know the the case study with you, right? And if you defeat us, well, we got to have a different plan in the real world. Well, that's what they do every single time. But if they can stomp her, then we actually might have something. Or if she keeps defeating them and their arguments keep getting stronger, she becomes that dance monkey dance thing again, where she's actually kind of playing right into a right wing right. viewpoint and a right wing worldview. And they'll say, well, we had this wonderful left wing lawyer, and she told us all the insights side tricks, quote-unquote, yeah. and now we have better arguments, and then right-wing legislation gets passed, and so on and so forth. Well, I'm waiting for the, the time that when it happens, because remember when Diane took on this client, they were really hurting for clients at the time, and they need serious billing. I can't remember who they, did they lose Chum Hum or something that episode, where yeah. they had lost like millions of dollars on a major client. So when she met this guy, they were in desperate need of billing, of billable hours and a, and a different client. When she took the client, she said to him, you know, I don't feel, you know, I don't really feel right about this because I don't, I feel as if there's going to come a time when you're going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do. They've asked it numerous times. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the episode where she says enough is enough because I just, I believe sooner or later it's going to have to happen where enough is just simply enough. How many times can I stand in front of a judge, stand in front of other attorneys and people in this legal community who know me and know my feeling? And even if it is your you know job as an attorney to fight and advocate for your client, regardless of their, your personal views, sooner or later with the issues that they're conquering, you have to, like, you feel compromised. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's prediction, but I do believe sooner or later that she's going to have to make that choice. I think it's interesting, too, and maybe this is just my personal, like, experiences recently, but I hope it's true of all of us at some point, that whatever your politics are, right or left or center or other, um, Diane is a good representation right now of maybe the politics of a lot of people who watch this show, as as Alicia tends to be, as a lot of the characters tend to be, you watch things that align with your worldview, culture, so. that yeah. sort of stuff. And so Diane right now is going through something, especially in this episode. I jokingly was like, this is the day Diane stops being a liberal. And that's not true, but Diane is going through something in this episode where she realizes that her politics, her worldview is not 100% correct. Like, Diane, she starts doing this because it's her client, and she kind of does it against her will, but then, and I think we're both, like, she starts believing it, whether it's true or not, and she's like, this is free of speech, this is First Amendment, this is a different issue, and it's like, hey, this this very left-wing person who's advocated very publicly for left-wing causes with left-wing clients is all of a sudden like, hey... There are gray areas. It's right. not black and white anymore. I'm not always on the left anymore. I'm somewhere in the middle sometimes, and that's okay. Right. And I hope that's something we all go through politically, culturally, all this stuff to say, hey, all these like, you know, tried and true facts in my head may not be as factual as I believe. And it doesn't mean you abandon your principles, and she certainly didn't abandon hers, but I think she comes away maybe a little better for the wear. Yeah, I think we all have to go sometimes back and forth and really think about why we feel the way we do because different things come up every day where you're like, wait a minute, okay, I know this is my position, but in this situation, maybe my hardline rule 
doesn't really work. Maybe life is a little more gray than all of us want to believe. And I think that's what happened to Diane in this episode. And isn't that, I mean, this is going so broad, so it's ridiculous, but isn't that an ultimate political commentary in this country right now? Everything is black and white. Everything is left and right. Everything is is so delineated. It's like, well, you know, if you talk to, like, actually a majority of the country, they fall left and right and stuff, but somewhere in the middle of where the extremes have been made to be by parties and the media and whatever, whoever you want to blame. And I think Diane's kind of a representation of that. Here's my general thrust. She generally goes to the left, but it's not as simple as you think. Right. I I was just surprised by how these other organizations, I think it was the National Women's Council and the Justice Center, I mean, they they have to support these really, like, liberal views. Yeah. But normally in life, relationships, you know, things happen. For them to yank their business from them so quickly... That's politics, though. It was just amazing It's it's about politics, though, because then there will be people online. Because we see this all the time of so-and-so support such-and-such. Well, let's boycott such-and-such. You know, it's like... And that's just the way that it is now. And, and, you know, I get voting with your dollars and boycotting, and that's all rights as Americans that you have. Like, it's, you know, nobody's saying don't do it. But because of that environment, especially with the Internet now, too, and that's where these videos that's the controversy of the videos you want to put it online in that environment man i mean everything has to be just so political everything is so partisan there's no depth there's no yeah. you can't have an hour-long conversation about this because people need a 20 second soundbite right so, that's true that's you know, true it's for as many people as who watch good wife and maybe get something like that out of this and we could be off base but i don't think we're too far off base for as many people who watch that you know, ten times more are going to watch a Donald Trump video on Twitter. We were just talking right, about, we just talked or, about. Or, or watch, you know, a Hillary Clinton video, a, a clip of a video on CNN, and make up their mind on that kind of stuff. Right. You know, so I, I know that, that this show wasn't about those guys, about those people, but it's all politics, man. It all connects. Yeah, it's, it's, de- it's all it's, the same. It, it definitely is. I mean, <laughs> do you think with this issue? Because I do think that this episode changed Diane. I mean, we haven't yeah. seen a whole lot from Diane and Carrie this season at all. We still haven't seen anything from poor Carrie this season. So this was like kind of Diane's shining moment this season. Do you think we're going to come back in the next couple seasons and they're going to sit down? We're going to see an episode or a scene with she and Carrie and David as they, as you know, David Lee and Carrie say to her, you've lost us major clients. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing where we saw a couple of seasons ago when she had originally left that firm and went and worked with Alicia where she has to question who she is, the position she's in, does she want to stay there? I mean, this is pretty major. Yeah, I mean, I, I have so much respect for Diane, the person. If Diane Lockhart actually existed, it'd be one of those people. It'd be tough to approach because she's not because she's, you know, a, a god in that way, but right. she's so damn smart. Yeah, like, you better is. come correct when you come to somebody like that. Alicia, God bless her, is a little frazzled at times. Diane, at least from what we see, is very put together most of the time. But. She's very self-aware, and I think if anybody is going to question themselves, it's her. Mm -hmm. And she does it routinely. She did it after the first conservative, after Dipple the first time last season. She had a real big, like, you know... Qualm she, yeah, about it. she did. Yeah, um, that I think lasted a couple episodes. And she you also know. like she and her husband had a huge, yeah. huge fight about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's and she's working with different stuff than what I would know. I mean, she's working with having to be a woman to navigate in that realm, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different too. And when she goes to the conservative side, the way it's stereotypically portrayed here, that that hunting group, that that outing group or whatever yeah. last year. It was all white men. There yeah. weren't a lot of women there. The women weren't doing anything significant. They were talking about clothes and whatever when the guys were doing business. Mm-hmm. So she has to navigate a very different world. So you have to be – to do that successfully, you got to be self-aware. Right. You have to be very self-confident. And I think because she has those things, she should question herself. She will question herself. And I think she only comes out stronger 
right. for the thing. Now, the, the immediate question is, how does she get these clients back, and does she and Alicia go for a little... That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking the next couple episodes. I mean, come on. The fact that... Because I'm thinking when, when at the end of the episode, of course, we'll talk about more about Alicia and Luca's firm, but... At the end of the episode, when when Grace says, yeah, it seems like everyone is completely upset with Diane, think about a couple of episodes ago when Diane confronted Alicia and said, what are you doing? Yeah. When they had that heated conversation in the hallway, they're not on the best of terms. But remember, too, now, you know, we say that Grace didn't steal clients from Diane, but Grace poached them. Let's use that word. Yes. Um, Remember that, that Diane has been poaching Jason Krause. Again, not stealing. Dude works no. limited hours. He's not nothing like that. But but between Diane and Alicia, they're going to look at each other very suspiciously mm-hmm. from now on to say, well, yeah, you took that client. Well, yeah, but you're using my investigator and you're working him into the ground, so you're charging more hours. I can see all this happening. I can so, see it, too. And I can't remember. I mean, from this episode, we became aware of the fact that now Alicia thinks she heard Diane in the background. Yeah. I don't remember, and you you let me know, and you let me know. Do we know whether Diane knows that Jason is working for Alicia? I can't. I can't I thought, remember. I thought that they suspected it. I didn't think they knew for sure. Yeah. And Jason would never say anything. Of course, he's the investigator. Um, I don't think they knew for sure. Yeah, I don't. But think. but Diane's suspicious because the conversation they had there, he, she was like, "Come work for us full time. It's more money." And he's like smiling. I like to keep my options open. Right. And so Diane, right there, has got to know like. Something. Well, she knows she's not the only game, you know, the only player in the game, right? This is going to come to a head next week or the week after or six weeks down the road when Diane is on one side of a case and Alicia's on the other and they both go to Jason with investigator information and he has to tell one of them unless he's shady as crap. Well, that's one of the questions that we're like, that's still being posed right now. But you're right. It's going to be a constant. I mean, right now, even still with the clients jumping from Diane's firm to Alicia's firm. Do we have a conflict of interest right now already with Jason? The fact that, and he hasn't worked on the same case, but we but we know it's going to come to a head, right? It absolutely will. I okay. Well, let me ask you this. Let's get more pointed about mm-hmm. Jason because I don't remember who I was talking to the other day, and I forgive them for that. It, I, it might have been Allison, but I don't think it was. I think it was just a random person, but I don't know who it was. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I re- and they told me that they think Jason is a really bad dude, like has nefarious things about him. I see Jason as Salt of the earth, have a beer with this dude, great guy, beyond reproach. Like, I'm the, talk about extremes. We were just talking right. about, I'm the other extreme. Is Jason a good dude or a bad dude, or where does he fall in the gray area? Well, I guess the thing is, we don't know all the details about why he, yeah. why he punched out the judge, but I can say, I don't think he's a bad dude. I do think that some of his methods may be a little different. Um, we've seen him call, you know, people and threaten them and go and go by people's houses. And, you know, we don't know for sure, but we, you know, we can assume that he's beaten up a couple people, you know, <laughs> he uses violence sometimes or you the know, threat of violence or the yeah. threat of violence, you know, in order to, you know, get people over to his side. But when it comes down to the core, do I think he's a really bad dude, meaning he's shady, he's going to do something wrong? I really don't think or that. Or do you think he has some sort of nefarious thing for Alicia or Diane or anybody else? No, I don't. I think he's a really good investigator who yeah. keeps an air of mystery, which Kalinda did also. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what make, makes him such a great private investigator. And he's really hot, so everyone thinks, you know, <laughs> he has a thing for all of them. But I don't think he's a bad dude, and I think we're going to figure out, hopefully we're going to find out more details about his past, but I think he's a good guy who's had to do some bad things in order to continue to do good. Which makes it feel like, for me, 
generally fit wise, he fits so much better with Alicia's firm because it ain't corporate. It's run out of True. her house. There, that firm is is by the bootstraps, like figuring it out every day. Like they have a ten year old. I mean, how old is Grace? Seventeen. Seventeen. They have a, they have a seventeen year old hustling down leads. They have a seventeen year old made. How much did the seventeen year old make them? Twenty million dollars? Uh, probably something like. But that's that's what I was gonna say. Well, like, well, she said one half of one percent is thirty five grand, which would mean one percent sixty, which would mean a hundred of that is six million. Yeah, I would but, think six seven million. But I thought that one of I thought one of the company said that they, they had a 10 million, 10 million. yeah so something like that i am too i don't know exactly where how she got that figure yeah i will say they have a high school senior skipping class <laughs> to not only be their receptionist but to fake office sounds That's in baller. order i have to say grace was like brilliant let me tell you this let's just put this on the table right now two things first off for anybody in grace's position in, the for- in going forward Get it in writing before you start working. Yeah, because Alicia did writing. not look like she wanted to pay her. Um, second off, Alicia, if it were a regular person, client, whatever, like, hey, if you want to go to court and do the dog and pony show and go to mediation, fine. Pay your goddamn daughter. Yeah. I, th- th- that, to me, is going to ruin that angle of the show if Alicia, like, balks at paying Grace. Or, like, like you got to follow up on this. You have to follow yeah. up on this. You know how, like, okay, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison. But you know how whenever there's, like, a horror movie or anything and there's an animal, like, there's a pet dog or something involved. And, like, the killer comes to kill somebody and they kill the people. And afterwards, they always show that, like, the dog is there whimpering you have to with so, the people. You have or, like, to the show. dog ran away. You have to show the dog was okay because otherwise we're sitting there like, yeah. no, 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 the people. We don't care about the people. It's the dog. It's the dog. Like, we're worried about that. This, in a weird way, is kind of similar to that. Absolutely. you, you got to, like, at least show Alicia giving her a check and then move on. You, you have, have to, to show that. I mean, when Grace went to her mom and said, I really want to help, yeah. that was really sincere. And I have to say, there's not a ton of really sincere people on this show who have, like, she really had, like, no other motive. I thought it was ballsy of her to even ask her mom for a she's, percentage. I don't blame her. Times are hard. Yeah. You got to pay for college. I get it. <laughs> but, I, you know, it was really ballsy. But she was like, how can I help? Let me help. You know, she's been doing all this work for them or whatever. It was only right. They never thought she was going to get the clients that she did. Let's just call it perfect timing. But she did. They blew their pitch meetings with four major clients. I mean, what the heck was that? Well, we got we got two... We have two leaders and no followers between Alicia and Luca. Now, now here's one thing with Grace. If Diane gets those clients back and Alicia never bills, then, okay, Grace never makes any money because they never right. – I get it, so that would be fine too. But if they make money, Grace had better make some freaking money. She better money. make some freaking money. Um, but, yeah, Alicia and Luca, uh, they need to figure out their roles. Well, you know what? This episode – even though I wasn't 100% right with my prediction, I knew there was going to be more between Luca and Lewis Canning. Yeah. Right? Um, and I still don't think we're done with that yet because I think you're right. I don't think Alicia and Luca quite know who's going to be in command and who's not going to be in command. I wouldn't be surprised if that relationship goes awry. They got into it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Being partners and being partners with anyone in anything is a major undertaking. You have to do your due diligence and vet before you start splitting stuff 50-50. And the first crack that we see in the relationship between the two of them is when Luca comes in and says, all right, now it's going to be instead of 50-50, you're going to be two-thirds of the business you bring in. I want it. You want it. Let's go for it. She already had the meeting with Lewis already set up in her pocket, right? Mm -hmm. So she already was like two steps ahead before she even proposed it to Alicia. I'm not saying Luca is shady, I'm just saying that relationship is going to see some additional cracks. Yeah, Will, but I got to say, like, I'm looking at it the other way because a week ago today, in this very hour, yeah, same hour, on this very panel sitting in this very chair, because Allison was where you're sitting. How about that? 
I said, maybe maybe at this very minute, mm. about twenty four, you know, seven days ago, I said that I'm a little skeptical of Luca Quinn, and I think she might be a little dirty. And Luca, who went to Canning and could have gotten a job, yeah. could have gotten, could have been that whatever. That job offer was crappy, though. Like, come on, Lewis. Uh, okay, but I'm just saying, like, it, w- it was 120 grand eh. plus 10%. Mm. I'm just saying. Excuse me. First year lawyers in major cities like that. I mean, I don't know about Chicago. Chicago's a little bit different, but like, first, and this was years ago that I know, but first year attorneys in New York at major firms make 125. And I'm not trying to say that it's like, that is a lot of money. That can change a lot of people's lives. But I believe Lewis can come up a little bit more than that. Well, you'll be buying food tonight after I'm the show, Tara. I'm just saying. Um, T- Tara, my favorite lawyer. <laughs> my, my favorite litigator. I'm, I'm making that. <laughs> um, no, but, but I, I would have expected Shady Luca to go with Canning or do something else or, or keep him to herself. I don't know what else. But she came right back to Alicia. They like, celebrated like schoolgirls. They were right. like, can you believe he showed it to her? It was like two people talking about like a high school crush or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like two It was like two young people gossiping. So for them, for her to come immediately back to Alicia with that gave me a point in her book that she's not as shady as I thought she was going to be. So hat tip to Luca. For- I, I disagree. Really? I do. I think because Lewis offered her 90 grand salary. He offered her a 30... $30,000 guaranteed bonus and 10% of the business. So why don't you just in. offer her 120 grand? Like, if you're going to guarantee the bonus, yeah. just give her 120 I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. But for, And then he threw out four clients he would give. So yeah. I'm not sure if in the system that they had going on, because this wouldn't be business she was bringing in, she would have four major clients, not really sure with the compensation. But for her to go back and take it back to Alicia and poach them, she can potentially get two-thirds of the billings from these four clients based on their new arrangement. I just realized we are not that we're wrong about this, but we're looking at this the wrong way. Of oh. those three people, Canning, Luca, Alicia, who is the most devious? Of course, Lewis Canning. Why aren't we looking at it from his perspective? What if he knows this is what Luca's going to do and she's going to go right back to Alicia? These are either, A, my four worst clients, yeah. and if you can take them, poach them right. from me. I hate them. Or, B, he knows that they won't come. He knows that Luca and Alicia are going to look bad because Canning just gets people like that. And Canning has a bigger play to make Alicia look like a fool down the road. I th- I mean, I think he thought Luca was going to take the offer. Don't I don't think we've heard, like seen the last of this Luca betrayal of Lewis Canning type of thing. I don't think so at all. I think he thought I'm going to lure her with these four clients. She's going to come in and then it's going to open the door for Alicia. He's still after Alicia in some shape, form or fashion, whether it be for good or for bad. Like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But he, yeah. He's yeah. after her. So if this plan doesn't work, we will see him again. Because, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the best thing that could have happened to them as far as the Lewis Canning thing is that they didn't get these four clients from him because if they were so ready to jump ship, then clearly you're right. It wasn't working between those clients and Canon and associates anyway, if he was so easily and you know, so ready to give, get rid of them. So you're probably right. They aren't the best ones. They sounded great. You could travel the what, Caribbean and open up the hotels and all that. I mean, they sounded great, but clearly they weren't the best clients. Yeah. Lewis doesn't give anything up that easily. Something's uh, yeah, but canning. I, canning, of course, we're going to see him this season because he wants. I still think he wants Alicia Luca. I don't. I don't know. And my question now is: Grace has secured all of this new business for them. Their new arrangement is: you get two thirds of the business you bring in. Grace brought in these four clients. Who gets two thirds? Alicia. See, I would argue that's not right. Really? If I was, if I were Luca, because Grace is just the secretary or whatever. If I were Luca. Because, and I would also argue if I were Luca, why did you promise her a half a percentage of the billings without covering with me? We're 50-50. My name's on the door. 
that's what I would do as Luca. I mean, 35 grand when you're getting what, 6 million or whatever the calculation may be, may not be a big deal. But for someone who's four years out of law school, used to be a bond attorney, no offense to any bond attorneys, she's potentially looking at, you know, that's an extra seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars out of her pocket. Mm-hmm. You can't make, you know, grace those promises taking the percentage from me. If you're going to pay grace at 35, 36 grand, it has to come out of your cut. But what is your cut? Because we're not doing 50-50. You're not going to... I wouldn't give Alicia two-thirds of that business. Yeah. Because Alicia wasn't on the phone and on the laptop, you know, faking sounds. That was Grace. Yeah. I just... Like, if I'm Luca, and I know that there's there's TV life and real life. And in TV life, everything is devious. So we're looking at Luca like, what's she going to do? There's going to be something devious. <laughs> in real life, you get where you are, where you go based on connections. Let's be real. Skills matter. Resume matters. You know, being a yeah. not a jerk matters. But connections make a difference. And... If I'm Luca in real life, I'm like, hey, this is the, the wife, wife, however much, this yeah. is the wife of a man who is, I guess, at the top of the presidential race or right now. Or right behind Hillary and just Some, in case Hillary doesn't so work out. Is, yeah, This is the equivalent of a real world. It's not a personality comparison, but like a Bernie Sanders or a Marco Rubio or a Donald Trump. Like that level of person mm-hmm. in the presidential race. This is his wife. I'm going to be cool with her. Because if he becomes a senator or a cabinet member, if she moves to D.C. and gets a kick-ass law firm gig, I'll go with you. You know, like, no, like you're going to be cool with that person. But this is TV, yeah. and everybody's devious. Right. And, and if it were real <laughs> life, my prominent husband would not have me struggling like they keep trying to make us believe Peter's doing to Alicia. Exactly. Yeah. And we wouldn't be sitting around asking someone, can I rent your conference room for a half a day? So you're right. We're, we're suspending reality here. It is. But I just wonder, like, like Alicia and Peter have some damn connections. We're going to see it next week with Eli when he confronts Jason Krause mm-hmm. because they're powerful people. Whether We know the ins and outs. The public on The Good Wife doesn't know the ins and outs as well, and these are powerful people. Right. So I just have one more thing to say about Grace and the new clients. I yeah. think she did a fantastic job, but now they have to deliver. And it wasn't as if Grace was misrepresenting the law firm but the fake sounds in the background I never heard her say they had six attorneys like Luca did in their pitch meeting Mm -hmm. that kind of thing but everyone it seems as if they wanted to jump on board because of Alicia but sooner or later it's going to have to be Alicia and her team her team has to be more than Luca and and Krause in order to keep these clients going so I'm wondering if we're going to hear anything from some of these clients going wait a minute you're not at all what. Well, I mean, you they can hire. Be. They can hire associates and stuff yeah. too on a case by case basis That's and true. bill hourly or whatever. But I think you know this, we've seen this before with Alicia when she was with Floric Agos. I'm trying to remember which iteration I know. of the firm we've, we've gone it, through several. <laughs> it's been a couple times where like people wanted to deal with her because she was good mm-hmm. and she was the big name, and it was like Carrie had to cut his teeth and all this sort of stuff. So I. You know, I mean, it is what it is, let's be honest. Simple. I mean, it was the state's attorney's wife, and then it was the governor's wife, and now you have a presidential can- you know, a yeah. candidate's wife. I mean, the draw is the draw. Law is no different than anything else. You want the sexy celebrity person to represent you because that's yeah. just what you want. Yeah. So she'll always be the draw, but ultimately you have to get the work done. So that's going to be interesting to see. I want to talk about the one other topic I think that was really important for this episode that Bobby does not want to no. discuss, but we're going to do it. Who else out there is really excited about the Eli Courtney Page um, storyline? I'm like geeked about this because of the fact that I think, I don't think there's enough heat, fire. I mean, we saw Peter and Alicia have sex last week, but whatever. They had their quickie and that kind of thing. But 
We don't have enough of that. I mean, we definitely hear, you know, feel the pheromones in the air between Alicia and Kraus. But do we ever even see this coming from Eli? Like, not me. I'm excited. Let me know if you're excited. Bobby, how do you feel about it? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> Clearly, I'm very excited about the fact that you like no, to have a girlfriend. Look, I mean, I... I, I it's Vanessa Williams, right? Yes, the the gorgeous yeah. Vanessa Williams. I mean, God bless her. I think she's doing fine. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I'm not invested emotionally in Courtney Page because she's been here for eight seconds, right? So I'm like, okay, Eli didn't. Okay, here's the thing. I'm not invested in Courtney Page. That's not Vanessa Williams' problem. Like, that's just a new character. Like, we weren't invested in Jason Krause. You have to jump off the damn screen for us to get invested in you. Um, so I'm not invested in her, so I don't really care. And from Eli's side, this dude is the most – like, look up the word political in the dictionary, and that's Eli. Totally. So what are you ta- – there's no no love. There's no relationship. No, like, but there's, a, there's to- an attraction. There's a crush. There's I a, think- and this is the different side of Eli. You saw him try to crack a joke. Yeah, and that was the worst joke I don't, ever. Like, it just, I'm not buying it at all. I don't care about it at all. I'm not interested in it at all. If there's, different characters have different roles. And like, and I want to watch Alicia's relationships because, obviously. Right. I want to watch, you know, whoever else, whomever else's relationships and Jason and what happens and, and uh, Johnny from last year, the campaign manager. Yeah. Like, those things are interesting. Peter's are interesting for a different reason. But I'm looking at Eli, and I'm like, he is comedic relief. His little his little office and his big desk and his little quirky mannerisms, but also his blowing up at everybody. Like, everything he does is funny, but in a different way. He's not trying to be funny. He's just a quirky right. character. Um, he's not a romance guy to me. In I this love character. It. I mean, in this, yeah. in this, you know, Alan Cummings, phenomenal. Yes, but amazing. he's not a romance. Eli is not a romance character. So... You're really going to have to sell this. Yeah. Like, it really, like, ugh. But I think that's the beauty of it because of the <sighs> fact that Eli is so uncomfortable this season. I think it just adds to that being the fact that he does have the little office. And he is, like, listening into the, you know, to the whatever that is, you know, the, the air duck or whatever in order to hear conversations. This is Eli completely out of character. He's completely out of sorts. And to throw in a potential love interest, I think it just adds more to, to his character and makes him even more comfortable. I guess, but like, you know, a couple couple weeks ago, we had commenters, rightfully so, complaining on YouTube that were like, hey, Carrie's disappeared. We need a storyline totally for gone Carrie. Away. Totally gone and away. And you're 100% right, and he's still kind of, di- I mean, he was here more today, but he's still kind of disappeared. Um, that's the right thought. Eli did not disappear. He's got a great storyline. He's got Ruth Eastman, and he's got standing on his desk and spying, and he's trying to, like, weasel his way back into the weasel, but he's not the main weasel anymore. Like, this is a great Eli storyline to try to recoup his weaselly superpowers, and then... Love. I love it. Let, I want to know what I want to know what you think about the Eli storyline and where the character is going as we get ready to do some predictions. And now your after Buzz TV predictions. Bobby, as you're shaking your head, trying to like get rid of the, get the thought of Eli kissing Courtney Page out of your mind. What are your predictions? I predict most of our audience on YouTube is going to agree with me. <laughs> No, I we just, will see. Yeah, about we will. That. See. I would actually like to see because I just don't care. Um, my predictions. Ooh, I would love to see more follow up with Diane in this case specifically. I think this is like they do every week the the, the single episode case. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see it again. I think we're going to move right on. That's a shame. I would like to see it. We'll see. We'll see Dipple's people again. Yeah. So we'll see like the right wing angle again. 
But I want to see more of that, that that gives a different depth to the political commentary on this show. Because even as a pretty liberal guy, sometimes I'll watch the show and I'll be like, yeah, it agrees with my views, but like it's like pretty stereotypical and like it's just it's too easy to swallow. And today was so much more depth. It was a little yeah. more complicated. I really liked the angle they took. It was it was more nuanced than I think, you know, a lot of shows probably could have done. Um, I would like to see more of that with Diane. I'm not sure it happens. Yeah. And then I think my biggest prediction, and it's something I've thought about for a while, and I feel like either you or Allison has said this before on the show, I think we're going to see a Carrie-Alicia reunion mm-hmm. at some point. We don't see him enough. Our commenters point this out every week. We don't see him enough. We'll see you guys are exactly all. right about that. Um we worked so hard to keep him out of prison yep. <laughs> a season Last ago season, or whatever. The firm, they almost lost the firm completely yeah. trying to keep because him out of, of jail. Because of Carrie. Yeah. The whole thing was Carrie, and then we'd lose him. Uh, we got to see him some more. I think he leaves Diane. We had the Howard Lyman situation that's ongoing. Yeah. I think he leaves Diane eventually and goes to work with Alicia, and things get messy. Yeah, I think this, I'm, I agree with you. I think this case is critical to the rest of the season. And I think what we're going to see, what we've all, what I know I've been asking for all season is more of that Alicia, Diane, Carrie, well, you know, if David's there or whatever, but more of that, the two of them pitted against each other in court. And I think this case sets it up because now, you know, Diane is still representing the Dipple guy and then. Leash now has these major clients, and they're on opposing sides of so many different issues. So I think it sets it up perfectly to have them in court against each other. And then we're going to see the Jason Krauss relationship come to a head. And then, as we saw from the previews for next week, Alicia is going to brag that she can sleep with Jason, but we can probably leave that till One question, and I can't really... <laughs> okay. And I can't really comment. <laughs> I can't comment as well on this, but I just know from... What I watch and what I read to be mindful of it. You can comment on this a lot better than I can. Um, the show does a good job of this already, but they're going to need to be careful not making an Alicia Diane thing superficial or catty or even yeah. seem catty. Right. Because these are two, you know, not catty women. Right. <laughs> and they're women in power. But when you do this on television, a lot of shows get this stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to be careful when they do the Alicia versus Diane rematch, all this stuff. Yeah. They have to do it with a certain angle. Well, I, I will say this and I'll say this and, and I totally stand behind it, but I think so much in television and media and when you have two women pitted against each other regardless of how the writers handle it someone views it as being catty someone views it as being catty and emotional and this that and all the other so I'm sure they will do because The Good Wife does such a great job of setting things up and keeping and you know like just you know right there on the line of you know things but this may be an instance where regardless of what they do it's still going to come across that way but how can you avoid it because where we are right now, it's because we don't see Carrie at all. The only the only person we see is Diane, and then Alicia. It's Ali- I mean, we're still trying to figure out Luca, but it's Alicia. So it's Alicia and Diane. They yeah. have to be pitted against each other sooner or later, especially given what's been set up thus far this season with the with you know with the interactions in the hallway and the looks and the you did this and you did that and the accusations flying back and forth. It has to come to a head. It's going to be interesting. The case that it, that happens when they when they have the final showdown. But it's, unfortunately, I'll just go ahead and call it now. Someone's going to call it Caddy. And it may not be in my eyes or your eyes Caddy at all, but someone's going to call it that. But it's going to go down. Yeah. It's going to have to go down. All right. I, did we do, we cover everything? I, I think, think we got enough predictions. I think we got everything. Folks can share theirs every week, and all I week, as they always do. I love to see them. And I think we are ABTV, hashtag ABTV, the good wife. Are we really? I think that's it. W. 
I've never used the hashtags. ABTV. TGW. I was corrected by our fantastic engineer. And Bobby. Yo. I think that's it for us this week. Bobby, let them know where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at Bobby Demuro. I'm going on the hashtag right now. I don't use the hashtag. Like, like yeah. if you want to get me, just tweet me. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the hashtag right now because I never use it. <laughs> And I'm Tara Johnson. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TJ Wagging Her Tail. And also you can check out my women's talk show, wordswinewomen.com. We will be here next week, I think. But 100%. Yeah, we will. We'll we, see about the yeah. lineup. But we will have a show we next week. We will have a show next in week. In spite of Thanksgiving. And we will say to you happy Thanksgiving. Because by the time yep. we meet again, we would have had our turkey day. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy all the food and your family and all the fun. And we will see you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.